Start this thing. You're listening to another exciting episode of Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. This is a podcast where we friends get together and talk about a horror movie, which we will spoil. First, we talk about recently watched, which we try not to spoil. I'm really clear on that, aren't I? That we talk about other stuff first. Because uh-huh. I know it can take 25, 35 minutes sometimes. An hour. Are you here for the banter or are you here for content? What is, you know, what do you really want from we us? We don't. We're content free. Yeah. <laughs> it's tricky. It's free content, but it's also content free. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I wouldn't want anyone getting anything out of this. I wouldn't either. <laughs> um, we thank the Moonrays for giving us that song, Intro Creature Features, at the top of the show. Uh, you they can haven't find... rescinded that yet. You know, they haven't, they haven't stopped us because they're not listening. Uh, okay. They can't get through all the banter. No. <laughs> they hear their theme and they go, good, good, good. Okay. All right, cool. They thanked they us. They thanked us. We're out. Oh, these guys don't shut up. <laughs> no, they keep talking. Um, you can find their music on uh, Apple Music. Or- music places yes music land at, at your local <laughs> <laughs> your local sam goody or music land or coconuts <laughs> do you remember coconuts i don't remember coconuts i think it might have been owned by the same people sun probably sun coast video <laughs> uh-huh i was gonna say sun coast video the only place you could get anime oh. in 1992 <laughs> right but you were gonna pay 45 dollars at the you know bare minimum right 50 bucks for like 22 minutes of anime. <laughs> Two episodes of Bubblegum Crisis. Yeah. Right. It's not, a, hey, man, it's a not new... consecutive episodes either. <laughs> it's an import, man. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what it's what it comes down to. Um, so we thank the Moonrays. Uh, we're not professional critics. We're just your hosts. I'm Richard. I'm here with Will. Hello. And Jolian. Welcome. And, oh, almost uh, didn't answer. Yeah. Um, so we... Uh, had a little extra time off than what we planned because, uh, as Jolien uh, put it so well, it's like herding cats trying to get us all to get together and do this sometimes. But um, and we were going to record Barring yesterday. Disease and car crashes. Yeah. Yeah. Like we we were going to record yesterday, and then I had to wait around for hours for well, not hours, but over an hour. Days. Yeah. He's felt. still out there. Uh, we had someone taking a left on a on a flashing yellow arrow in front of us and they turned right in front of somebody who had a green light coming toward us and a mini cooper t-boned and flipped uh, a subaru whatever they're called impreza or no that's i don't know what they're called yeah that's that's a subaru anyway okay subaru flipper yep (laughs) it was the flipper so uh it went right up on its side and so we drove around the guy and parked on the shoulder of the ramp onto the freeway, which is where we were trying to turn and where he was trying to turn. 
and uh, uh, another guy pulled over and the two of us held the thing and my wife like opened the door and helped him climb up out of the vehicle from the passenger door, which was facing the sky. So it was like watching someone come out of a space capsule. <laughs> the airbags yeah. are all deployed. Um, young guy, unhurt, totally unhurt. He had like a little scratch on his leg from probably the safety glass. It was so weird. Um, like the car was just on its side. Like it's, it's so surreal to watch it happen and go, Hey, it didn't keep going. It just kind of stopped like that. Yeah. And a mini Cooper did it. Wow. Yeah. It must be like mini Cooper's low and the Subaru was turning. So all the momentum was to its left. So it was kind of, you know, helped the situation of being tipped yeah. up, up on its side. So now we're recording today instead. Yeah, which is meaningless to the listeners because today, <laughs> yeah. what does today mean? Nothing. We'll, we'll cut all this. Yeah, sure we will. Sure, we'll cut all this. Yeah. Cut it down to the two and a half minutes. <laughs> just just, just the content. Just the content. Content only. Yeah. We should do, we should do, uh, you know, uh, Patreon. Patreon, yes. <laughs> where our Patreon listeners get l- shorter shows. They're only two minutes long. And it's only content. Uh, we just skip to the recommends. Uh-huh. Oh, recommend? So, recommend? So basically you want me to edit all the bullshit out? <laughs> all of it. Yeah. Oh, man. Just leave nothing but the moon rays. Not doing it. <laughs> it's too much work. It's too much work. Maybe I could like uh, edit everything except for the errs and ums. You could do that too. <laughs> that would be great. Those are for the top level subscri- subscribers. Yeah. So recently watched. Who wants to start it? Uh, can I remember anything I've watched? Do Probably want, not. Do, do you want me to talk about Woodstock '99? Whatever. Yes, please. Okay. Let, first of all, and I, I don't want to have to edit this one. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll try to like vamp a little bit while I'm uh, Googling it because I can't remember the name of it. It's, I want to say it's like shit show dumpster fire, but I don't think that's the actual name of it. <laughs> I think they're the headliners. <laughs> oh, let's see. That well, was Fred Durst's band at the time, right? <laughs> you know, thank you. Called, it was called train wreck. We're shit show dumpster fire. <laughs> Good night. Fuck <laughs> you all. <laughs> hey, Cleveland. Uh, let's see. It was uh, <laughs> it was called uh, Trainwreck Woodstock '99. Uh, it's a, it's a uh, docu series about the shit show dumpster fire that was Woodstock '99. And I think I didn't know at the time that we were seeing all that news. I thought, oh, they just had like maybe not the best venue and terrible weather. Uh, but then I'm finding out through this documentary that the first big terrible choice was it was a decommissioned air force base and most of this place was set up on the tarmac and the um the rave tent as they called it or the rave hangar was a massive airport hangar and they had like fat boy slim you know throwing down uh you know whatever he's he's up there like you know he's at the height of his powers and all the flashing lights are going and everybody's on x i'm sure and all the people who just left the crazy shit show that was outside come heading in there. And there's like a room that is supposed to hold like 
you know, three or 4,000 people suddenly has another 10,000 people heading their way. And it's just going to be terrible. And someone drives a van into the crowd, like slowly. And stuff like this is happening after all this other terrible stuff has been happening. At least it was slowly. Yeah. Like they didn't come speeding through. Well, the next episode is clearly going to be the one where they set everything on fire. <laughs> so... A dumpster fire. Yeah. You got the shit show episode and then the first, and then it's the dumpster fire. I think I watched two episodes last night. I was up way too late watching this. I was like, oh, it auto-started when I accidentally like, hovered on it for uh, a second. I gotta oh, watch it. It's too late. I can't stop this. I'm powerless. Yeah, it's like when, it's like when uh, Prime Time or Dateline or whatever starts, and Keith Morrison is like, it was a small, quiet Arizona town. Oh my gosh, shit, I'm hooked. I'm hooked. I just, now I have to watch this. It was a noisy Arizona <laughs> town. Nobody liked. Yeah. So when murder happened, it wasn't a big surprise. Husband did it. <laughs> Unless the husband's dead. The wife did it. <laughs> the I'm going to just go ahead and tell you who did it so you can get on with your evening the spouse did i've it. been keith morrison good night <laughs> <laughs> i'm keith morrison with a fluffy white hair good night uh so uh let's see i watched that um couple We're just episodes gonna show you gory crime scene videos for the next hour <laughs> blur- that's what you yeah. people want right <laughs> they're, bl- they're blurred out slightly so no yeah. they're not blurred anymore <laughs> yeah um so he should show dumpster fire and then i watched uh, um, a bunch of season five of better call saul I don't know where I left off, but I watched it until I was caught up. So season six, I think, is happening in real time. It just ended. Oh, it just ended. I okay. believe Sunday oh. was the last. I, I don't don't quote me on when it was, but sometime this last week wow. or, or sometime this week. Wow. They, they finally call him. Yep, they yep. finally call him. <laughs> it took him six seasons. Wow. But they were really high when they called, you know, and they didn't want him to know. <laughs> you know, if anyone thinks Better Saul call, <laughs> if any, if anyone thinks Better Call Saul is going to just be cute, like it kind of starts out a little cute. If they think it's going to stay that way, no, it gets really dark. But also, you know, it's funny. I think I liked it better than Breaking Bad. Yeah, I think there's an argument to be made there for yeah. sure. So, um, yeah, I mean, a show about a crooked lawyer in New Mexico, I, what's not to love, <laughs> right? And then uh, I watched a documentary about Guar called This is Guar. Uh, so if anybody uh, doesn't know who Guar is, just look it up. I don't have time to explain to you, <clears throat> but <laughs> I mean, seriously. <laughs> about traffic and yeah woodstock but i'm not going to tell you about guar okay. they're horror related what they do well, on this show okay so let's let's tell them <laughs> if you don't know who guar is it was a bunch of uh a bunch of college students who were into making art and and crazy stuff and uh one person in particular was going to make a movie and so he made all these crazy costumes and designed these characters and then uh, invited some band that was doing a lot of uh, you know, local shows invited them to put the costumes on, or they asked if they could wear them for a show and then it just turned into a thing. And then, uh, the guy kind of lost, I think his, his sort of, uh, grasp on reality. <laughs> well, yeah, that happened. Uh, I think the guy did lose his ownership of the characters and the, you know, 
and it just sort of turned into it's it, it evolved into its own into its own thing. Um, it's a monster. Yeah, uh, but but they they do go over like all of the what it was like to try and tour with that sort of setup and all the mess that they would make doing it, and um, how sometimes they would have the school bus that they had hollowed out to haul all this junk would break down on the side of the road or cops would pull them over and harass them. <laughs> all the stuff. Imagine pulling over Man, I love <laughs> stories about bands on tour. You know, like uh, Henry Rollins used to ride in the U-Haul, the little U-Haul trailer, because he hated the rest of Black Flag so much. <laughs> and so he just sat in there and drank coffee pot after pot of coffee oh my god in the total darkness <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like something he'd do yeah <clears throat> yeah that that guy is if you haven't heard uh his spoken word albums they're totally worth a listen uh so yeah that that story whole surfers have a lot of good stories too oh, i bet they do and they wow yeah and I and I always wonder, like, why do any edgy bands ever tour the Deep South? You know, because what what what's going to happen? What do you what do you think's going to happen? You know, if if you go into a restaurant or get pulled over by the cops, nothing good. Just you gonna... get arrested for picking flowers, like Johnny Cash. <laughs> right. <laughs> think of think of him being like the worst counterculture character there is. Wow. Compared to he did burn down a mountain. <laughs> Did so, he? Yeah. He went camping and he was high and he, I don't remember, he backed his truck into uh, into something, but basically it caught some brush on fire being California mm-hmm. and dry as all get out. And yeah, it caught the mountain on fire wow. and they had to come rescue him. Well, at least they rescued him. We got some more time with him after yeah, that. Yeah, because that was like 1972 or something. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, anyone who uh, doesn't know enough about Guar or knows lots about them might want to watch this. It's, uh, it's a very good... What if I know a fair amount about Guar? That's where I was at, <laughs> and I still enjoyed it. Okay, <laughs> just, just checking. Yeah, now there is a tragic side to it. There is a band member who doesn't doesn't make it. So if you don't know that... Uh, spoiler, sorry. Um, but it's the drummer, right? Uh, it's always the drummer. I'm, I'm not telling you. It, it's the drummer. It, it isn't. It's not the drummer. No, no. Nope. The hell? But you you do get a bunch of uh, celebrity interviews where people like Weird Al Yankovic and Thomas Lennon talk about, you know, how Guar like inspired them or influenced them or thrilled them, whatever the case. <laughs> so it's really fun. Uh, that's it for me. Who wants to go next? All right. Uh, I'm going to try. I don't watch a lot, but I did watch a terrible movie called Day of the Assassin mm. with uh, Chuck Connors. Oh, my God. The Rifleman? The Rifleman. And uh, I'm going to forget everybody else that's in it, but uh, Glenn Ford, that was it's in it. And uh, boy, it's, it's one of those uh, kind of mid-70s quote action movies where some actor well several actors are just past their prime and all the actions kind of (laughs) slow when you really (laughs) think about it uh 
I, I would say pass. <laughs> <laughs> you don't say. Yeah. Um, and then, I'm, yeah, I watched uh, this this week's movie. That's All it. Right. Fair enough. Jolien, what you got? All right. I have tons. Oh, good. <laughs> I watched uh, Paris Frills, um, also known as Fabula. From 1945, this was uh, actually made in 1944 under occupation. Oh, wow. Really? History fans. Um, it's directed by Jacques Becker, who did uh Part au Grisby, which is a great French crime movie. Okay. Um, this is about obsessive desire at a Parisian fashion house. Um, and it is said to have inspired Jean-Paul Gaultier to become a designer. I also think it inspired Mario Bava because there's lots of use of shadows, obsession, the use of beauty, the use of mannequins. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good movie anyway, but if mm. you're a Mario Bava fan, I, I definitely recommend it. Right, it it feels so. like a precursor. Yeah, and, okay. and, and the lead actor is uh, Raymond Retour, who has Tom Cruise teeth. Oh, <laughs> they're not lined up? They're not... They're like... Middle tooth, even front teeth. Mm. If listeners don't know what we're talking about, just Google middle tooth Tom Cruise or Tom Cruise middle tooth. You'll see. I uh, saw Tom Cruise middle tooth open at Woodstock '99. <laughs> <laughs> they sucked. <laughs> I'd go and see them. I would too, just to see what the hell it was. Right. Uh, I've been uh, watching. Toby Hooper movies that I haven't seen before. Uh, so I watched uh, his take on Toolbox Murders. This is okay. from 2004, and it's very 2004. Ooh. If I just told you the year, you could tell what it looks like. Just this grotty green. Oh, <laughs> I picture it now. <laughs> yeah. Um, first half is like a grotty remake of the 1978 original. Just this guy with a, his toolbox going around killing people. In this apartment house. Um, Does what it says on the box. Yeah. And then the second half is a grotty remake of Inferno, the Argento film. Really? Yeah. It gets into all this like secret architecture going on. Um, yeah, the like, original architect was into sorcery. and. Wow. <laughs> um, mentions Elizabeth Short. Oh, okay. Of... Um, Black Dahlia. Black fame. Dahlia. Mm-hmm. Um, she's she's mentioned as having lived at the this apartment complex, and um, this also features Sherry Moon in her only non non Rob Zombie role. Yeah, she's she's the first character you meet. She's uh, playing Daisy Rain. Interesting. Um, yeah, she's very good. Um, yeah, I, I can't recommend this one really. <laughs> Oh, it sounded interesting there. Yeah, it gets like, a bit more interesting in the second half, but by that time I was just like, oh, yeah. come on, get it over with. Um, <laughs> and Machiste in Hell, which is uh, 1923, I think, Guido Brignoni film. Um, there's a whole bunch of Machiste films okay. in the silent era in Italy before Mussolini came along and banned a whole bunch of genres. So the Italian fantasy horror industry was killed off for a couple of decades but anyway um he's just this strong guy he doesn't like run around in a peplo or anything but um there's, there's a whole bunch of uh demons uh 
this gang of demons comes out of hell to earth to bring down Machiste because he's just such a good guy. He's really annoying the devil. Uh, but he's so strong and, and wise to them that they uh, he throws them around. And then uh, so they go after his sweetheart who lives next door. And she's being seduced by this local prince. And she's had a baby. So they the demons kidnap the baby. And then Machiste chases them into hell. Um, so it's quite surprising for 1920s Italy that the 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 good leading woman is allowed to have this have a, baby out of wedlock and yeah and no harm comes to her. Um, she gets rescued and everything. Wow. Um, so this is one of 27 Machiste films. He was popular. Yeah, from 1914 to 19, 1927. Um, anyway, this was remade in 1962, and. The remake was also known as The Witch's Curse, and I didn't, didn't like that one. It's part mm. of the peplum craze. Uh, as usual, the hell sequences are uh, these kind of... Um, some of the sequences just recreate the engravings by Gustave Doré uh, very closely. Uh, and as usual in hell sequences, uh, there's lots of skin. Mm. Good opportunity. Yeah. Lots of skin and gore. Lots of decapitations. Uh, there's flying demons. There's a very cute dragon. There's a giant octopus. So, all right, entertaining stuff. Um, I saw this anime called Bell, which is now on HBO, I believe. Uh, this came out last year. So this is another film from Memoro Hosoda, who did uh, Mirai and uh, Summer Wars. So, uh, as you'd expect, there's like incredibly complex, detailed, you know, images of thousands of things flying around at the same time. Um, so, uh, yeah, this is, um, it's got, uh, you know, it's got all this complicated stuff happening, but also now is when to just lock off the camera for these like simple still shots, um, just character bits or just bits of scenery. Um, yeah, it's a I mean, gorgeous movie, Re really good. Um, and it's an interesting story too. Oh, good. Uh, so check it out um, Warlords of Atlantis from 1978 this is one of those Kevin Connor movies he did with Doug McClure you know they did Land and Time Forgotten all those yeah so Amicus folds up but they still do one more movie and this was it Warlords <laughs> of Atlantis so it's, 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 it's showing wear and tear it's, it's a bit more low budget there's not much story to it at all um, it's got Sid Charisse in it uh, Peter Gilmore Shane Rimmer I love him uh, John Ratzenberger in an early role. All right. Uh, Michael Guitard. Um, it's got good production design, uh, but it is pretty dull. It's kind of a rote adventure. Um, but it's got Roger Dick and monsters in it as usual, so you know it's, it's got some fun bits in it. Uh, sort of Vincent Price movie I hadn't seen before called House of a Thousand Dolls from 1967. Wow. Uh, Never so, even heard of that one. Yeah, this is from AIP. This is one of those films they shot in Spain. Um, so Vincent Price and Martha Heyer from Abbott and Costello Go to Mars. Uh, George, George Nader is the leading man. He was the star of Robot Monster. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, Anne Smyrna from Reptilicus. Diane Bond from In Like Flint. She has this very athletic bit where she's like climbs out a window and down a building. She's wearing heels and not much else wow <laughs> it's pretty impressive 
uh, written and produced by Harry Allen Towers, who is this, uh, who's, <laughs> who's this guy, worked with Jess Franco a lot. Uh, he was a vice racketeer, uh, might have been a Soviet agent. They're not sure. Oh, wow. <laughs> One of those characters. Um, so Vincent Price, uh, he, he's playing a magician again. And this time he's also running a sex slave syndicate. Um, the US print is the shortest one. You want to check out one of the Euro prints, which is which are like over 90 minutes long. Um, shot in Madrid, set in Tangier. Um, All right. Kind of sleazy stuff. Sounds like, yeah, good mid-60s sleaze. Yeah. <laughs> it's my favorite kind of mid-60s movies. Uh-huh. <clears throat> yeah. <Seize core. laughs> um, I watched uh, Milestone Generations from this year. It's a 53-minute uh, documentary. It's on HBO, I think. So it's about the comics company Milestone. Oh, okay. So it was yeah. founded by Dennis Cowan and Derek Dingle in 1992. Oh, Dwayne McDuffie. Uh, hosted by Method Man. Yeah. Um, he has 30,000 comic books. His wife will tell you. <laughs> <laughs> She's exaggerating. Um, so it skips over a lot of the history of uh, you know, black authors and artists who've, who've actually worked in comics because um, most of them, they, you didn't know yeah. the color of their skin for decades. Um, but, uh, you know, it gets on with it. It's only, only 50 minutes long, as I say. And uh, it's very, you know, punchy and uh, gets to the point. And, um, you know, it's got some... Lots of interesting interviews in it. Check it out if you're a comics fan. Yeah. Um, I wish I had held on to my mile. Yeah. Stone Comics. Uh, and then, um, yeah. The, so yeah, you know, you know, they're like making all these film developments and new animation series now. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Emily was away for a weekend, so oh. I uh, overcame my grief long enough to dash for my collection <laughs> grab a grab a shelf full of war movies and plop watch. myself in front of the tv for the weekend watch what you want to watch <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i watched where eagles dare from 1968 with ingrid pitt uh 633 squadron um 1964 this is like one of those perennial films that was on every christmas when i was a kid uh most i think just about all of these have got amazing soundtracks by ron goodwin um, 633 Squadron very familiar ending if you're American and you haven't seen this movie because it's British um, I know you don't like war movies which don't feature Americans winning it but <laughs> 633 Squadron it's, uh, they're all mosquito bombers and uh, they end up um, the, the suicide mission is to uh, fly down a fjord and uh, they've got to hit pinpoint strike on this target at the end to defeat the secret weapon of the evil empire. Hmm. And there's like a gun emplacements all the way down there. Uh, and you've got uh, all this uh, like music thundering away when they're doing it. It's really exciting. Is there only like one small target portal yeah, that yeah, they yeah. need yeah. to hit? Um, and, uh -huh. and apparently uh, this is uh, a lot of this footage Not was much used bigger by than a womp rat, I understand. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Lucas cut this climax of this movie into his rough cut yeah. Star Wars before they had the special effects done. Um, this one's got uh, Cliff Robertson in it, um, playing a Canadian pilot. Uh, George Chikiris is in it. 
um, as this Norwegian resistance fighter. You might remember him from West Side Story, mm. where he was not playing a Norwegian. Um, yeah, uh, and it's, it's a great uh, screenplay. is a great model of um, if you want to write a good drama, you think of what's the worst that could happen and do that. Yeah. Right. Um, then this was followed up by Mosquito Squadron in 1969, starring Dave McCallum. And uh, this goes so far as to recycle footage from 633 Squadron <laughs> and plot points. Uh, I watched... Uh, hey, if it was popular once. Yeah. Uh, I watched Dust Boot. Have you seen that one? Oh, Dust Boot. It's fantastic. Never, never yeah. 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 So I, I got the <clears throat> director's cut of that going. Oh, nice. It's like three hours, three and a half hours, but it's just... Yeah. It's, yeah, oh, it's a fantastic movie. What a nail-biter. I should rewatch it, because when I watched it, it was on two VHS tapes. Okay. Uh, yeah, I watched it on Blu-ray, and it was, it was oh, amazing. I uh, imagine. Yeah, Wolfgang Peterson. Hey, this isn't about a boot at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, Beach Red, uh, which is a Cornell World film. So he's the guy who made, like, no blade of grass which is like mad max before there was mad max and he made uh naked okay. prey which is like yeah, yeah we recently movies. talked about that one so beach red is like the the gory landing on a beach movie oh okay decades before private ryan yeah um yeah this is you know this is from 1967 and you have like blown off limbs and stuff like wow it's pretty shocking yeah um Brin, oh, i love this movie it's another epic battle of Britain. The uh, the actual events took place overhead of where I grew up. So, oh, really? Yeah, wow. It's okay. Really, it's really quite personal. You know, my grandparents yeah. saw this stuff. Okay. Wow. Uh, and another great soundtrack. And it's, it has everyone who was in British movies at the time is in this movie. Um, I also watched uh, Cleopatra. <laughs> Uh, you know, sixty-two. Yeah, <laughs> right. Taylor. Yeah, Elizabeth Taylor. Right, right. Uh, Richard Burton. Richard Burton. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's it just so astonishing. Yeah. Um, the amount of money that was spent on this thing, you can see most of the money. You don't see all the money because well, apparently they were going to film it in Britain, and so they had all these sets built, but they were building them out of cement because they had to stand up to the conditions. And then the director got there and he said, no, we can't film it here. The weather's too crap. Oh. <laughs> so they went, they decamped to Italy and built the whole thing again. Oh, my God. <laughs> Worst case scenario. Why did they think they could film in Britain? And <laughs> No idea. It looks just like Egypt. Right. <laughs> well, they did film some desert movies in Britain. They got away with it for some movies, but like a four-hour movie where they have to have these mm. massive sets. Yeah massive um and she's in a different costume in every scene yeah it's all gold and stuff <laughs> um and it also it kind of suffers i watched it i thought it felt like star trek like some of the the dramatics and the music and the colors especially and then you realize that oh yeah they were re reusing what they built for this movie all the way through the 60s you know oh yeah so familiar with some of these costumes and yeah, they, they recycled everything in those studios, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. And the other thing I like about these biblical epics from like the sixties, they you know, they they're massive productions and then you see like the special effects guys, Ray Kellogg. Yeah. And it, you know, this is the director of Killer Shrews. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Um 
And and I watched a couple of Andrei Tarkovsky movies because they're so serious and weird. Mm. Um, I have to watch them by myself. So I watched Nostalgia from 1983 and Ivan's Childhood, which is his debut feature film. Uh, amazing. Yeah. Um, and then uh, oh, I was delighted to see that Nessie was back in the news. Really? Um, they, the uh, archaeologists have found uh, evidence of plesiosaurs living in fresh water in um, northwest Africa. As recently as like three billion years ago or something? <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, as recently as the 60s. But the point <laughs> is they were, they, were, they, they were like living there for generations in fresh water. Okay. So we can, we can say it's possible. Yes, definitely. Yes, it's definitely possible. <laughs> wow. Anyway, anyway, that's it for now. So uh, we're starting with the deadly spawn, right? Yeah. Okay. So the, I picked this. Yeah, the deadly spawn. Why? Good question, Will. Tell us. Because <laughs> uh, it was a low-budget monster movie I hadn't seen. 1980. But I totally remember the box. Having watched it, I'm pretty sure I had seen it, but probably not since you know the, it came out on video. The box have the Hildebrand on, on it? Yeah, it had the monsters. They're kind of... Coming up on the horizon yeah. or whatever you want to say. Yeah. Um, so the, this one came out in 83. Uh, we're, we're talking about a time where they could have just gone with a slasher. Uh-huh, you know, it uh-huh. would have been the right time to say, hey, let's not spend a bunch of money on other stuff, special effects and everything. Let's just do another, you know, some guy in a whatever costume is going to be killing a bunch of teenagers. Nope. They said, let's build monsters and and make them all look gooey and wet and do things with them. Yeah. And. And, and a fair amount of gore. Yeah. I, I would say that's fair to say, but. Uh, the budget was only $25,000. Could you tell? Well, they did they did pretty well with with that, yeah. I would say because uh I don't know if I could tell it was $25,000. Yeah. I I mean, when you look at something like this, it's it doesn't look great, but considering it was very low budget, yeah. there's a lot they pulled off. Yeah, I mean, to be fair to them, um, this was uh, written and directed by Douglas McCown, McCown, <laughs> um, and it uh, had a, a pretty decent sized cast, about, I don't know, eight or ten people who were kind of circulating through the whole story. Yeah. And um, wet, goopy monsters. Wet, goopy monsters in the basement. Yeah, they liked the basement for some reason. Yeah. So this is... Because uh, monsters like basements. <clears throat> That's yep. just a known fact. Yeah. Yeah. But then if you put salt in the stairs, they can't come up or some shit like that? Yeah. Um, or if you just keep the door shut. Well, yeah. <laughs> or cut their heads off. Yeah. <clears throat> Two campers uh, see a meteor fall to Earth. And when they... There was a big meteor in Utah. Just recently? Yeah. Like yesterday or the day before. This could and be was, very timely. It was uh, big enough that it made a big sonic boom that a bunch of people called the police. Oh, wow. Thinking there was an explosion. I yeah. mean, it was an explosion, but... It wasn't somebody's it wasn't. gas was left on or something? Yeah. Oh, man. And they they have a shot of it. So... 
Yeah, this this one starts with a light. As far as I know, there were no monsters on board. No life, mm. no life forms that came out and ate people and then yeah. moved on to the basement. Uh huh. Because they were losers and couldn't get a job. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, so you picked this. Uh, how how were you feeling when it first started? Were you like, oh man, I made a mistake? Or were you like, oh, this is awesome? What were you wading into this? Assuming that you had no memory of it from the past, I was like, "Well, that that occupied a lot of thought." It was like, "Have I seen this?" I know I've seen the box. I know I've seen the box. I'm like, "No, I think I've just seen every other movie that starts this way." Yeah. And, uh, In '83, that was most of them. Yeah, a lot of monster movies start this way, especially yeah. the Blob. Yeah. Yes, that's what really made me think of. Yeah, the, uh, the Blob remake wasn't too far off from 83, was it? Mm-hmm. Um, 88, I believe. Yeah. And uh-huh. Night of the Comet would have been somewhere right after this. You know, um, it's got a fairly standard uh, group of characters. Yeah. yeah. you got the kid who's a, who's a monster fan. Yes. So you know he'll figure out a way right. to kill the monsters because that's what they're good at yeah there's probably about eighty thousand dollars worth of stuff in that room if you were to like preserve it and then sell it today oh yeah i was i was trying to yeah. deal with those posters yeah yeah. Oh. yeah it was it was total like eye candy for me to watch yeah, big giant godzilla yeah on his yeah dresser yeah, i the was metal thinking godzilla. Yeah. Oh, okay i was like oh yeah, he, Godzilla. he had one of those original Wolfman posters, didn't he? The, I, the, I mean, that was in print for decades, but yeah. I seem to remember that uh, being in that scene. But man, when you look at when you look at like a monster movie where you've got special effects people working on it, and they're like probably giving pointers for like, hey, this kid is supposed to really like monster movies and stuff. What would he have in his room? You know, that that's a best case scenario rather than ask some set decorator like, well, what should we put in here? I don't know, Voltron. <laughs> you know, these guys are like, no, 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 no. You need the Mattel Godzilla, the, wolf, the Wolfman poster, all these certain toys. I like to think the director brought those all from his house. Yeah, that's totally possible. <laughs> yeah, that kid was played by Charles George Hildebrand. Yeah, so who is that? So he's the son of... Uh, Tim Hildebrand of the twins who uh, who was also the executive producer uh-huh and played the doctor on this movie oh okay oh okay yeah the the brothers Hildebrandt did a lot of well they did the poster for this movie yeah they did they did a lot of like fantasy art fantasy art you know when people were really all like up in uh, fan murals, yeah, uh, like Boris Vallejo and stuff like that. Uh huh. You know, people are all into that, like all the post for Zeta. Yeah, yes, exactly. All these things that were too perfect. Um, the brothers Hildebrandt would, uh, if I remember the story right, uh, the tw- they were twins who one of them could be painting while the other one was taking a nap, and he would just get up from the nap and grab the brush yeah. from him and keep painting. They did one of the Star Wars posters. Yeah. Did the Lord of the Rings. They did covers for Star Wars comics. Well, yeah, a lot of Star Wars stuff. Yeah. Probably bought him a house or two. Yeah. The house that Darth Vader built. I met a guy when I was in art school. They had a guy come talk to us who he painted one 
I believe it was one, maybe it was two, but it wasn't many, plate with a Star Wars scene on it for some, you know, Franklin Mint thing. Bradford Exchange, one of those. Yeah, and he's like, that that picture of Star Wars, all the work I've done has bought me nothing but that picture from Star Wars bought me a house next to a lake <laughs> in the middle of nowhere in Colorado. Nice. I can never say nice. anything bad about Star Wars. Right. It's like, wow, that's... That's pretty kind of, good. That's kind of outstanding. You know, if you if you get that that one lucky bounce like that. Um yeah, so um Brother Sildebrandt, uh all this post Frazetta stuff was like kind of happening uh the, Yeah, in the eighties yeah. when sword and sorcery movies were kind of big at the Yeah. If it if it wasn't if it wasn't a slasher with sword mm. and sorcery, we got a lot of stuff like Conan the Barbarian and things Beastmaster. like that. Oh, Beastmaster. Beastmaster yeah. 2, Through the Portal of Time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember we had a, a, Crawl. a shopping mall opened up in our town. and uh, But they had this shop in it, which is called Athena or something. Uh-huh. But it was nothing but fantasy art. Oh my on God. on you know various services like boards or posters and stuff like that. So I just go in there and look at that stuff. Oh, man. Didn't buy in it. Well, no, because that stuff was always super overpriced. Yeah, I, yeah. I only had a budget of 50p. You know, I couldn't afford anything. <laughs> You're lucky they let you in to look at stuff. Yeah, they should have had a doorman who was like, uh, sorry, mate, you're not coming in. Right. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was just like Roger Dean and Hildebrandt and Patrick oh, Woodroff and Roger Dean. Jim Burns. It was great. Very nice. I had a friend who had a Roger Dean art book. And oh yeah, I've got I'd, a bunch of those. I'd love to get my hands on one of those because they had like not just like the Yes album covers, but a bunch of other stuff that you'd never seen in a the No had, album covers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was his that was his dark phase he went through. Um, but there were a bunch of uh, pictures of sculptures and prototypes that he had made for different things like furniture, oh, yeah, his architecture. Well, yeah. he was he was a furniture and architecture student at Canterbury. Oh, before oh, I wow. went there. That explains a lot. And uh, yeah, and he just got into illustration. But, you know, he always interested in, if you look at his art books, they have all these like uh, designs for all these sort of bubble houses. Yeah. It all looked like it was like uh, either uh, sprayed on concrete mm-hmm. or fiberglass. So one of his recurring motifs was the floating island. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so he made a chunk of money off of uh, James Cameron. <laughs> oh, when, when Cameron was doing all those for Avatar. Yeah, and someone said, "Wait a minute, this is off of um, Roger Dean's <laughs> paintings." Yeah, I'm so glad somebody I, said I something. I think it was off the books, but um, yeah, he got a chunk of change for that. Good, that's kind of nice. Yeah, so this... that's the kind of crap they rob you blind for. So. Uh... So the monster kid likes scaring the parents. Uh-huh. And uh, what? how does that end up going now? I watched the this. The parents go out early. Yeah. They're going somewhere. I don't know where. Applebee's? <laughs> no, yeah. This, this predates for, that. Red Lobster, they're probably. <laughs> for breakfast. Yeah. They're going to Red Lobster for breakfast because yeah. they want bottomless shrimp. Mm, for breakfast. Yes. But they go out. They're going to go out. They get ready to go somewhere. Dad goes down to the basement, promptly gets eaten. Dumpster fire on tour. <laughs> right. Yeah, that was it. 
No, it was Tom Cruise Metal Tooth. Oh, okay. They they had to get down to the uh, Coliseum to get tickets, get in line for tickets. For They're big fans. Middle Middle Tooth Cruise Missile. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dad promptly gets eaten. The monsters are toothy, and slimy, and messy eaters, like yeah. all good monsters are. And then uh, Mom goes downstairs to find Dad and promptly gets her face bitten off. Yeah. It's a pretty good effect for no-budget movie. Yeah. Yeah, it, it seemed like somebody involved with this was like, hey, I know how we can make that using gelatin and, you know, these, yeah. these rubber gloves. <laughs> <laughs> and $20. <laughs> right. Uh and then uh, the the aunt and uncle are staying with them for whatever reason, mm-hmm. and uh, the kid wakes them up. The younger boy. There's two brothers, Peter and Charles. Ch- Charles is the monster kid. Yeah, Charles is the monster kid. Peter's his older brothers in college. I was gonna say Ace. Peter and Ace. <laughs> Yes. He's the astronomer. Yeah, he's a science major. And uh, whatever that means. (laughs) Right. Uh, The kid wakes him up with uh, some loud movie he was watching. Yeah, had a bunch of screaming or something going on. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was a thing from another world. Oh, that would have been cool. Because later he says that he was, he wanted to, he couldn't remember how it ended. And how they killed the monster, which is a big clue as to how they'll kill the monster in this one. Yeah, the, it seems like a pretty like involved plot for a movie that is simply, there's monsters in the basement eating everyone. Uh-huh. But they got all this plot going on elsewhere in the movie. It's like, do we need this? What I love is when they divert the plot and they follow the ant to Grandma's house and they have a long yeah. discussion about a vegan dinner they're going to have. How gorillas are vegetarian. Yes. And uh, she wishes she could find a ceramic gorilla, right. but she can't. Nobody will make a ceramic gorilla. She, she says they're peace-loving and adorable. Peace-loving yeah, I and love adorable. Her. Yeah. I I love when, when movies, especially <laughs> horror movies, take a, a side road with... A couple characters that don't really do anything or matter to the plot. You're kind of like, this is filler, but it's interesting enough, I guess, or weird enough. <laughs> it's like they're not going to hit, like in this case, 78 minutes, but they're, but they're you know, shooting for feature length on a movie. And they're like, we've only got about 62 minutes worth of content here. Uh, only 50 of it's any good. Right. So what are we going to do? It's like, uh, what if these two go over here and do this for about 10 minutes? But it, it shows the um, spawner spreading. Yeah. yeah. And you do get a great like, Tupperware party massacre. Yes. Yeah. That's a good name. <laughs> uh, yeah. A uh, uh, trio comes over to have a vegetarian uh, luncheon. With the aunt and grandma and the s- deadly spawn crawl out from under the couch and bite one woman on the foot. Oh, man. I think it was grandma. Yeah. And uh, they all have to hurry out, have to fight their way out to get to the car. 
and then they drive over to the to the uh, house she's staying at. Now, do you think when people are making a movie like this, are they operating under any delusions about how big it's going to get or how well it's going to be received? Are they are they picturing like giving their Oscar speech? No. <laughs> you don't think so? No, I think these people have a lot of fun making this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And probably whatever business this movie did, they were they were happy with. Yeah, if it made anything more than they spent. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so uh a couple kids come over to study with the older brother, Peter. Um, some girl he likes. I don't remember her name. Uh, and Frankie, who's kind of a dummy. <laughs> Let's uh, see. Uh, Pete sets up a study date with classmates Ellen, Ellen and Frankie and Kathy. Yes. Kathy doesn't show uh, till the end. Typical Kathy move. Yeah. She was busy trying on bathing suits. Oh, yeah. If anybody not... gets that joke, they're well over 40. <laughs> I, I like how um, you can tell this was filmed on any spare time they had rather than consecutive days because, like, Frankie's hair, <laughs> his length of his hair goes, like... It does. It changes. Yeah, he, like, turns around in a hallway and then goes goes into the bedroom and it's, like, shorter by two inches. <laughs> He decided to cut his hair in the hallway. Yeah, it happens off camera. <laughs> Who are we to judge? Um, but then the monsters uh, start coming up the stairs. Oh, uh, Charles goes downstairs and sees Mom's half-eaten head. And he stares at that for most of his part in the movie. Yeah. Uh, being very quiet because he quickly figures out they're drawn by noise. Mm. Um. So, so this is like a quiet place before a quiet place. Yeah. Okay. Or tombs of the blind dead after tombs of the blind dead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the monsters. Uh, well, Ellen found one of the spawn on their on her way in to the house, and they dissect it in the sink. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, which I thought was cool. It's a good idea. You want to yeah. see what makes this thing tick. Yeah, I don't know what it's going to tell you, though. Yeah. I could have told you it was full of goop. Right. It's probably full of poop and goo. I don't want to open it. <laughs> yeah, it's like... Miniature license plates. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and why do they call it deveining a shrimp? That's not a vein. That's a intestine. Mm. Ew. Yeah. But they are delicious. Yeah, once you get for the... sea cockroaches. Yeah, <laughs> which is what they are, really. Um, And then... uh. Everybody's trapped in in the upstairs, and uh, they... Which any Green Beret will tell you is not where to go. Yeah, don't... <laughs> Although, uh, I kept yelling at them, go out the window, you dummies. Go out the window. You're only on the second floor. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> well, Ellen goes out the window. Ellen d- ends up going <laughs> out the window, indeed. Her, her Phoebe Cakeness... Did not help her at all. <laughs> and one of the monsters bites her head off, right. which was fantastic because I did not expect it. Right. It's shocking. It was shocking, <laughs> and I loved it. Apparently what happened, uh, she uh, got another job, so she had to quit the movie. So nice. <laughs> to clear off without showing her face. Uh, yeah, they're just like, well, how can we do this? I know, the monster bites her head off. Yeah. Sounds good to me. That's a, that's a pretty good solution. And... Uh, then the ant shows up. Well, 
Kathy finally shows up. Yeah. And she spends a lot of her time freaking out. And Charles comes upstairs with a plan to kill the monster. And he does. Yeah, so he, he fills a prop head with a, some flash powder, like yeah. his, his magic flash powder. Uh-huh, and then he, he strips uh, electrical cable from a lamp. Yeah. And uh, he takes it upstairs and puts the dummy head in the monster's mouth. And then has to grab the plug and plug it in. Yeah. Which I was glad he brought an extension cord because <laughs> I really thought he wouldn't. Um, that he wouldn't figure that out. But it's it still too short. But he finally gets it over there, burns up the monster. Yeah. Now, when you were a kid and you saw movies or TV shows or any reference to flash powder, uh huh. After a while, I started thinking, well, it just doesn't really exist. Oh, I knew it existed because. That's what they used for old-fashioned photography. Yeah. Well, yeah, so it would have been like powdered magnesium or something, wouldn't it? Yeah, I don't know what it is, but yeah, something like that. You hit it with a charge and it just goes up. Mm -hmm. But would they make, like, if you were a kid, could you go into, like, a magic and trick shop and buy, like, a vial or an envelope of this stuff and you're good to go? I bet you could. If not, you could probably get old-fashioned photography supplies still Yeah. at that time. It's quite possible. Because, I mean, I remember some people had cameras with, you know, old tiny flash bulbs and whatnot. Oh, yeah. I'm sure powder was somebody had some somewhere. Yeah. And I'm not saying we couldn't get our hands on anything because we got way more fireworks than we should have for how young we were. I got a lot of fireworks and a lot of ninja stars. Yeah. Yeah. Times were different in the 80s. Yeah. Butterfly knives. Yeah. Man, uh, you saved up all summer to get yourself a good butterfly knife. So yeah. you could spin it around until the teacher took it away from you. And, and there, was, there was a point of convergence where young Will is saving up for a butterfly knife and coming toward you are the cheaper and cheaper butterfly knives. And somewhere in the middle, you're like, hey, that was only 17 bucks, not 24. Yeah. And it's probably. made of like crappy metal. Yeah. <laughs> I think they were usually about. Eight to ten dollars. Yeah, I'm 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 losing. Which is uh, a fortune. Oh, in those in days, 1986 or whenever. Yeah, yeah. There was always one kid, and maybe you were that kid that was really good with a butterfly knife. No, no, you never got it. I never. I mean, I could spin it around and whatnot, but I wasn't going to impress anyone with my butterfly knife skills. It seemed to me a long way around to opening up your knife. Yeah. You had to flip the little locker, little mm-hmm. locking mechanism off the end, uh-huh. drop it open, spin it around, flip it up, spin it around, flip it shut, and maybe bump the uh, locking mechanism against your leg or something to push it shut. Yeah. Now you've got a knife. I'm thinking, or you could just pull a knife out. Yeah. <laughs> like if you had a switchblade or just a folding knife of any sort, instead of, all right. Don't move. <laughs> yeah, you eventually got a knife that just flicked open. Yeah. Yeah. Butterfly knives. But they'd sell all that crap to kids. They didn't care. Oh, yeah. Uh, Which is kind of the point of the of what we were talking about is like flash powder. I'm not sure it existed in whatever form he was using it in, but there was stuff in magic shops, I'm sure. And uh, yeah, they'd 
you'd get your hands on fireworks and, and weapons of all sorts back in the day. I mean, there's no guy at a flea market that wasn't going to sell you something if he wanted to make money. Yeah, so, he didn't care. You're not his kid. Hey, kid, you want some porn and weapons? Hey, you want to blow your thumb off? <laughs> While reading this here uh, penthouse? <laughs> Put both eyes out. <laughs> Here's a cherry bomb in a penthouse. <laughs> oh, cherry and bombs a pack and... of cigarettes. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Cherry bombs in penthouse. When your mom finds them, you didn't get them from me. Right. That kid's a liar. <laughs> One of the best scenes I, I ever experienced was at the, the uh, uh, local used media place black and red i don't know if any of you have been there but i know of it but i have out in arvada yeah so it's kind of a trek but i was in there one day and there was a kid about 10 to 12 i'd say um and the the guy behind the counter asked the manager hey hey cliff this kid wants to buy Scarface. Can I sell it to him? <laughs> he wants to trade in his little kid movies. And he had, I don't know what little kid movies they were, but he so, had like six or seven of them. And the guy's like, yeah. And then he gives some Scarface and he goes, yeah, when your mom finds that, you didn't get it here. <laughs> it's like, this is a great place. Yeah, that's They a, know who needs to see Scarface. Yeah. A 12-year-old. Yeah. Yeah, if he's if he's gonna have any hope, he's gonna be cultured at all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you Man. rob the child of the classics? No. He's pretty going to learn about Cuban culture. Yeah, yeah. Scarface, Tony Montana, and his little friend. Yeah, you gotta know these things. You won't get the references in yeah. every movie. Yeah, when you're watching Tiny before. Tunes or whatever, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they throw those jokes in for the parents. It's so funny how often they do that shit. So uh, let's see. They um, uh, Charles uh, blows up the uh, what? Are the, what are we calling them? Tadpole monsters or the deadly spawn? The, well, yeah, the deadly spawn. Uh, he blows them up with the uh, flash uh, powder. The flash powder inside a, a mannequin head, and um, and then they all get out, and the yeah. townspeople all come together to burn monsters which is always a fun scene yes yeah i like when the town gets together and they decide you know it would only be better if they were toasting marshmallows over we them. can kill these yeah it's just like the, when they end you know the blob yeah yeah you just got to fool them into a situation where you can either freeze them or electrocute them yeah or something blow them or up something blow them up or run them over with a tr- electric a train or they electrified it i guess night of the lepus yeah I rewatched that recently. Ooh, how did that hold up for you? Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> I watched Night of the Lepus way more times than anyone ever should. I don't know why, but I find that movie endlessly amusing. I saw it once or twice as a kid, and then once about two years ago, and uh, oh boy, what a terrible movie. I had always heard about it as a kid. It was one of those that was talked about. But nobody had a copy of Night of the Lepus. I don't think it was on video. <laughs> do, you, do you remember the noise they made? Boodly, boodly, boodly. <laughs> boodly, boodly. It's like, should it just be thumpa, 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 thumpa? Nope. Nope. So that's a good one for um, poster designers to take a look at because 
you have this assignment where you're supposed to take a movie about rabbits and make it look like it's going to be scary. So yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very creatively done what they came up with. Excellent. I'll have to check it out. Ah, so this has a last grab scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I'm, they were probably pretty sure there was going to be a, a deadly spawn too. The spawning or whatever. Uh, so we get the last grab in the form of a, uh, uh, patrolman uh, who's guarding the house and uh, uh, he hears a, a rumbling noise and a full-grown spawn that's massive a giant one yeah so this i looked at that little house and i was like why do they have a little model <laughs> it was that a model because it was so quick and then two seconds later you find out yeah so we, we, as the viewers of the movie, are left to decide for ourselves, are they going to defeat that one too, or are we rolling into a sequel? Nope. We're making a live-action version of the fake chick track, Who Will Be Eaten First. <laughs> right? Yeah. There was a sequel, like, a long time afterwards, though. Oh, really? This okay. one was, like, uh, when, it, when it was released... Um, there was still talk of a sequel to Alien in the air. And so one of the titles when this was released was Return of the Alien. Hmm. I think people would have been upset. <laughs> yes. This is interesting. Um, producer Ted Bohus said that he conceived of the idea for the Deadly Spawn in 1979. It was inspired by an article in National Geographic about seed pods that were recovered from the Arctic. Uh, according to him, he created the initial creature design uh, that involved a man in a suit, but they finally decided uh, with the effects director that uh, that probably wasn't the best way to do the monsters. So, um, yeah, this one, um, tons of special effects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I saw this in, in Britain, and it was like a, it was on video, so it was cropped, and it was really cut. I um, bet. So I was really pleased to see this on DVD here and all the gore stuff back in. Yeah. Yeah, the video I nasties mean, era. That's, uh, that's kind of what you watch these for, right? A little bit of gore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would you say know. 83. You, I wasn't disappointed to see Mom get her face bitten off. Right. You know, I thought the uh, Splatter had this same kind of um, sense of humor as Evil Dead. Yeah. Um, you know, they have they have similar gags. Yeah. Um, you know, c- cellar, you know, the basement setting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it does seem like that kind of would tie in. And, and we're, we're talking only, what, a couple of years apart. Was uh, uh, Evil Dead 2 82? Maybe Evil Dead was eighty one, wasn't it? And then yeah, I thought eight. Oh, okay. Evil Dead two was eighty five. Yeah, I believe so. Okay, eighty one and eighty five. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, sometimes I lose track of those, but nineteen ninety seven. Damn it! Yeah. <laughs> Everything's released. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this was uh, arguably a regional film. Yeah. Uh huh. These are some of your favorites, Will. Yeah, I love regional horror. Yeah. I thought the principal actors were not bad at all. No, I didn't think any of the actors were too bad. I thought the dialogue was quite naturalistic. Yeah. The way they edited it, and it was 
so the, you know, the dialogue often crossed over. Yeah. Yeah, there's, it could have been a lot worse. Uh, I like that they're rural characters, but they're treated as intelligent. Mm-hmm. Rather than bumpkins. Yeah. yeah. And I like all the, the kids l- as science people. Yeah, yeah true. Yeah. Even Frankie. Yeah, the kids yeah. the kids weren't just these side characters that were there for like, you know, either nuisance or comic relief. Yeah, they've all got ambitions and yeah, personal lives. And... I like the little interview that the uncle gives Charles about monster movies. Oh. I thought that was kind of nice and I liked his answer like, "No, I like them cuz they're not real." Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, that's that's pretty much my answer. <laughs> I was a kid. Was like, yeah, they were always fun because they're not real. Yeah, it's it's purely fantastic. Duh. Um. So yeah, this was um, mainly shot in Gladstone, New Jersey, and uh, New Brunswick, and Palisades Park, and the uh, Palisades Park home of the producer. So, yeah, regional. Good times. It doesn't have any uh, murderous samurai in it, but... Unfortunately. <laughs> but I'm sure if they had found a samurai suit at the mall <laughs> right before they started shooting and it was cheap enough, the monster could have become a samurai. Yeah, they could have shoehorned it in. Samurai ghost from the dark side of the moon? I don't know. Yeah, sure. I, I like that idea. Um Anything else about the movie uh, you wanted to add, Jolien? No, I, I like it. Yeah? Yeah. So I, I guess... like that, I mean, I, this sounds terrible, but I like that the characters were traumatized at the end. Yeah. And not... Just dusting themselves off. Yeah, like, oh, I just saw Ellen get her head bitten off. Right. Yeah, you should be upset by everything you've just seen and, yeah. and experienced. Uh, yeah. I don't think characters should just be... Well, and also, we didn't have any characters that just snatched up a machine gun and fully knew how to, like, lock and load and fire and change the clips and all that crap. There were no guns. Yeah, because things like that really take me out of a movie. It's like, so this person who's never held a gun before all of a sudden is, you know, firing two of them in different directions and, you know, changing... Yeah, spinning them and changing clips in midair and all that kind of stuff. It's so stupid. You know, you, if you put it in deliberately to make it funny, go ahead. But don't expect us to believe characters. I think nowadays if you write a movie and you have to solve the problems with guns at the end, yeah, you should probably go back and redo that. Yeah, rewrite your movie, <sighs> you lazy bastard. I have them do something more creative. Yeah. Like, look at Pulp Fiction. Okay, Bruce Willis's character, Butch, he's not like some sort of samurai swordsman. But he he's going through everything in the pawn shop. Like, what's going to be a good weapon? Oh, look at this. This will work. Grabs a samurai sword. He doesn't do anything fancy with it. Slashes a guy, stabs a guy, and gets moving. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, this, this has gotten uh, of recent uh, favorable reviews. I don't know what it... I don't know how much of a release it got in its time or what any critics might have said. But, but yeah, I noticed uh, it got a lot of positive reviews. Yeah. Uh, um, part all... of the reason I watched it, because I'm tired of going through looking for movies. 
how are we still doing this podcast and still finding stuff? I feel like every episode we've run out. There's nothing else. Yeah. Sometimes I I go through and I'm like, nothing, 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 nothing. 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 We're going to end up watching movies from 2002 to about 2010. (laughs) All those really (laughs) shitty, shitty movies. Oh, no. Oh, oh no. We're going to end up watching all the Final Destination movies. Oh, I am. No, which isn't the worst. Yeah, honestly, that isn't the those worst Those aren't thing. the worst. No, it's the... I, know, I believe I, Rob Zombie was working at the during those years. <laughs> we could review Monsters next week. Oh, does it come out next week? I don't know. I thought it was out already. Well, that... Um, I think it comes out in October, actually. But I heard the trailer was just... Oh, it's awful. Wretched. Oh, no. <laughs> and I forgot to go watch it myself, but... Oh no! Well, um, we should watch it after the episode because it's yeah. something to see. The uh, Dog Soldiers uh, Blu-ray is going to be showing up any day. Mm-hmm. I forget exactly when it ships, but it's next soon. full moon. Yeah, they're going to make sure it lands on the full moon exactly. If they do, that would be fantastic. That'd be smart marketing, wouldn't it? Uh huh. Or it would just be like a stupid trick that no one nobody cares about. would even notice or care. Care. Yeah. So um, let's do the recommends, Julian. Yes. It's just a straight up yes. Yep. On good, um, it's like a low budget regional film that um, they have fun making it. And, and, and I had fun watching it. Skill people involved. Yeah. Um, they bothered to work on the script and have characters you like. And yeah. Yeah. Like each other. And yeah. Yeah. So you, I, you concur? I, I concur completely. I I recommend this and extra. Extra. Oh, That's a double <laughs> bill. Yeah. Because I think it came out in 83 or so, too. <laughs> yeah, this is a, a, a good bad movie because you could say it's bad in the sense that it doesn't have enough budget uh, and some things like that. But it's good. It's it's fun to watch. I think our listeners, uh, if you like most of the same stuff you've heard us like before, you'll you'll enjoy this one. Yeah, I think... If you're in a fan of monster movies, kind of goopy monster movies, mm-hmm. eating people, yeah, you couldn't ask for anything more. Yeah, and if you want to watch a bunch of '80s stuff happening, yeah, yeah if you're a Stranger so, Things fan, I mean, that totally this yeah, has got a classic '80s monster kid. There you go. Yeah, if you want, if you want to see where they jacked everything from, here it is. You know, <laughs> stuff like this, <laughs> familiar things, <laughs> right? Well, um, we're gonna be back next week with Mad God. It's a god that's mad. <laughs> um, so uh, he's not mad; he's just disappointed. Is he angry or is he crazy? Which mad are we talking? He's about? just disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's call it a show, listeners. Thank you for listening. Stay out of the basement. Yeah. <laughs>